You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Well, good morning. And uh, it's good to be together, at least the few of us that are in the room. We have the few of the pastoral staff and uh, worship team, of course, is here. And uh, the weird thing is, is, is you're missing. You're not here with us this morning because you're, you're at home. Um, I talked this week in my servant preview about, about welcome to the family room. This is our family room. And um, we miss, miss having everybody together, but, but we're glad to get to be together um, in some way. Uh, last week, Jay was talking about uh, life growing up, and he was talking about how uh, he got chose for sports teams or didn't get chose for sports teams. And it's got me thinking about uh, the ways that I grew up um, and just kind of the family that I had w- when I was growing up. And so I wanted to uh, just think for a second um, with all of us, um, wherever you're at, your living room, your family room, uh, kitchen, whatever you're listening from, just think for a second about the kind of family that you had uh, when you were growing up. Um, was it a, a good family? Was it uh, safe, secure? Was it comfortable, loving, gracious? Or, or maybe for you, it, it wasn't that way at all. Maybe for you, it was unloving or uncomfortable or cold or distant, maybe even unsafe. Uh, maybe for you, if you're like my family, it was a little bit of a combination of, of all of those things, all different kinds of families. Um, I think it's important to think about the kind of family that you have because, or had, um, because uh, families, and more specifically, the kinds of fathers that you had or didn't have in those families, um, help shape what we think about God as father. Um, throughout the Bible, God is called father. Uh, a few times in the Old Testament, um, much, much more frequently in the New Testament is he called father. And um, that's who he is to us. That's what he is to us. And so it's important that we rightly think about um, God as father and what kind of father he is. Uh, last week, um, I help out with the, the junior and, and senior high students on Sunday morning. And last week, uh, upstairs, Matt, our youth pastor, he asked the students, what, what is a good father look like? What does a, a, a godly father look like? And so some of the things that they said uh, was that fathers should be loving or kind, uh, protective, encouraging, uh, disciplining their kids, looking out for the best interests of their kids. And that's 100% true. That's what, that's what good fathers do. That's what good fathers um, look like. And so whatever kind of father that you had, uh, God is father in the very, very, very best sense of the word father. That, that's the kind of father that God is. And today we're going to continue our study in the book of Galatians. Um, and it's a kind of a continuation of last week. It's like a part two sermon. Uh, because last week, um, Jay helped us talk about what are the blessings and, and benefits of being a child of God. And, and this week, more specifically, I want to drill down on, on what does that look like that, that God's our father? What does that mean that we can be in God's family? And so I'm going to pray and then, um, then we're going to get into the word. We're going to be in Galatians, uh, we're actually going to be in Galatians 4, but I'm going to back up and read a little bit from Galatians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 26 and work through Galatians 4, 7. So uh, bow your heads with me, let's pray and invite the Spirit to work. Father, thank you for uh, this morning. Um, Father, thank you that we have the ability to, um, to worship together, even though we're scattered and, and we're not gathered together. 
Father, I pray that um, your spirit would uh, fill me now. I pray that you would, uh, God, help me to speak and to preach your word um, in exactly the way that you want it preached and proclaimed this morning. I pray, Father, that your spirit would work in all of our hearts, God, wherever we're at, all around the city and, and maybe even around the world this morning, Father, I pray that your spirit would work in our hearts and in our lives in such a way that something would be changed about us this morning because we've interacted with your spirit and with your word. So, Father, we just thank you for that. I thank you for your beautiful word. Um, just, just thank you for the time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I just realized uh, I'm new to this with the uh, whole online broadcasting thing. I never told you who I am. So <laughs> for those of you I haven't got a chance to meet, I'm Sean Rowley. I'm one of the elders, one of the preachers here at Grace. Um, so welcome. It's good, good to have you here. And thanks for your grace as we get used to the, uh, to the online feed. Um, all right. So we are in Galatians chapter uh, 3. Paul says this, verse 26. He says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Uh, Chapter four, verse one, he says this. He says, what I'm saying is that as long as an heir is under age, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. The heir is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. But when the time set had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father, So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you his heir. All right, so this this continuing idea here, Paul's continuing his idea, his his argumentation here. And he starts in verse one and he says that as long as an heir is underage, he's no different from a slave. And and Jay talked about this a little bit last week, and essentially what he's saying uh, is that there's if there was a hypothetical scenario where a child had uh, had a father that died, and the child would have been the one to inherit the estate, but he was not old enough to actually run this, the estate to do anything with the estate, and so he would have appointed trustees and and, and guardians over him that would uh, teach him, that would train him, that would help him to understand what he needed to do and get done. Um, but they would also discipline them. And these guardians weren't thought of, of well, they were often like, kind of like a, a babysitter that, that people didn't like. Uh, but what Paul's saying here is that once that kid grew up and at the, the, the proper time set by the father, like it says there in verse two, um, they would take over the estate. And so Paul now shifts from what is really a hypothetical scenario um, to uh, how it relates to us. Look at what he says in verse three. He says, so also, when we were underage, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual uh, forces of the world. This we that he's referring to here, this we is really all of the Jewish and Gentile Christians that, that Paul was talking to um, that day and in his time, but it also refers to us. Um, because at one point in time, we were also underage. And this underage is really just referring to a time um, before we knew Christ or when we were spiritually immature. Do you remember what your life was like? before you met Jesus? 
For some of you, it's easy to remember that time um, because for a lot of people, they can remember the day and the time and the place that they, they gave their heart, they gave their life to Jesus. Uh, but for others of us, it's, it's actually a little bit more difficult to remember that time because um, if you're like me, I can't remember a specific day and time. Uh, really what I can remember and know is that throughout my life and often in spite of my life, in spite of my sin, God's been pursuing me and drawing me to himself. And so for me, I can't really remember a time before I knew the Lord, but what I can remember is a time when I was really spiritually immature and, and my life's totally different than it was back then. It's a process sometimes. Um, and Paul says here that, that it's not just that we're underage or that we're spiritually immature. He also says that we were slaves. We were in slavery to these things. Now, I think it might've been a little bit awkward for, for them at the time because some of the audience that Paul was writing to and teaching to were actually slaves themselves. And so I wanna, I wanna differentiate a little bit uh, or just talk about a little bit. What does it mean that, that they were slaves at that time? Because it's easy for us as we read the Bible to just sort of superimpose whatever our current Western culture uh, is on top of whatever we're reading in the Bible. And so our framework for slavery here in this country is, is, is what happened in our country um, in, in our past. And, and frankly, what happened in our country in our past, as far as slavery is concerned, it, it was a horrible, wicked, awful thing. It should have never happened. Um, most of the slavery, or, or all of the slavery, rather, in our country, it was, it was 100% racial. It, it was the kind of thing that, that people could be bought and sold as property. They could be handed down uh, to generations like in a will. It was awful. And if people got into slavery um, in that way, there was often basically no hope for them. They were slaves for life. That's how life went for them. And in Paul's day, some of the slavery was just like that. Often the slavery uh, was like that back in Paul's day. And that was also wicked and sinful and wrong. Uh, but, but some of the slavery that happened back in Paul's day um, was more, a lot more like a long-term work contract. And so um, we need to think of it that way. And, and sometimes people would, would, would get a loan from somebody for a business use or personal use. And, and if they couldn't pay the loan back, then they would say, okay, then I'll come work for you as your slave for a certain amount of time. Um, and for other people, they, they, would, they would actually uh, choose to become slaves because maybe they had no work uh, opportunities at all. And so if they, they became a slave with a good family that maybe treated their slaves well, it was an opportunity for them. But whatever the case is, uh, whether it's the, the, the slavery that we think of or the slavery that Paul was addressing in those days, if you're a slave, you're in bondage to something. You're in bondage to something. And so what does it say he, that we are enslaved to? He says that we're enslaved to the elementary spiritual forces of the world. This could also be translated uh, the basic principles. It comes from this Greek word called uh, stoicheia. And, and stoicheia, um, there's been a lot of debate about what that actually means, what that actually was. And uh, one of the things that, that it could have been or, or a way that it was used is it, it was used to denote the kind of basic elements of our world, the uh, earth, the water, the fire, the air. Uh, and that doesn't seem to fit that well with, with what we're looking at here. Um, another way that it, that it was used was, was used in reference to the sun and the moon and the stars, which um, uh, may have fit a little bit more because often the sun and the moon and the stars was uh, kind of things that they based their calendar and their special celebrations and, and holidays and those sort of things on. So that seems to fit a little bit more, but it still doesn't seem to fit totally. Um, but the last way it was used, um, and Plato used it this way in some of his writings, was that stoicheia was, was kind of the basic building blocks of a society, and they were kind of lined up in, in an orderly fashion, like, like the ABCs. 
And so I think that that seem to, seems to be what fits here. It's, it's kind of the basic principles or the elementary sp- principles of our world. One person puts it this way though. He says that the, the, the stoicheia is the guiding principles of the world that have corrupted or perverted the world we live in. Um, this is everything. It's the ideas, the ideologies, the patterns uh, uh, of life, the ways of thinking, philosophies, religions, politics, it's everything. It's influenced by um, our culture, by our media, by our social media, by our educational systems. And I think some of these things, some of this stoicheia in our area, in our world here in in, in Gresham, in Portland, Oregon, um, are morally neutral or they're somewhat benign. But I think most of the things in our world, most of the, the stoicheia really are influenced by demonic influence. And I think sometimes for us, it's easy to think of demonic influence uh, in the terms of like a horror movie or a horror flick. Um, And I think that that represents or or portrays part of what demonic influence can be. Um, But but I think more often than not, I think that that this demonic influence is far more subtle and, and in some ways far more sinister because it doesn't necessarily look evil at first glance. Um, This comes out in things like the curriculums that are being um, pushed in our public schools, like things um, that that break God's heart, laws that we we enact in our country, uh, that that allow people to do things to and with their bodies that are just horrible and not good for them. These demonic influences lead us into patterns of sin. And so we end up living a life and doing things that are completely completely opposed to God and breaking God's heart and consequently separate us from God. Paul is making a clear point here that we are all enslaved to something. So what are you enslaved to? What areas of your life are you still not trusting God in and consequently you're enslaved there? What areas of your life are you tempted to be enslaved to? You know, it's not just sin, it's not just those kinds of things. Um, To be in slavery is to be in chains. And some of you are chained to things in your past, shame, guilt, fear, and even sin. Jay challenged us last week uh, to think about what kind of clothes we are wearing because we're told to put on clothes of righteousness. And um, Jay, if you'll remember, for those of you that were here at Grace, Jay held up this ratty old duck sweatshirt. I don't think, maybe that's what he meant as righteous clothing. I don't know, Jay. Jay's right here. It's time to retire that thing, Jay. It's time to, time to put that thing away. Um, but I want to think really, like what clothes are you wearing? Are you putting on clothes when you go out in the morning? Not pants and a shirt literally, but, but are you putting on clothes of righteousness and grace and humility and, and, and clothes that would represent Jesus well? Or are you putting on the clothes of a slave and you're wrapping yourself in sin and shame and you're chained there. Because God is a good God and the perfect father, he doesn't want us be his kids to be enslaved to anything. And so he had a plan. Take a look at what he says here in verse four. It says, when the time set had fully come. I don't know why the time was that God chose to send Jesus. But for whatever reason, when that time was, it was the perfect time to send Jesus. He says, when the time set had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. This just simply means that Jesus was born, he, he, was, he was conceived in a very unnatural way. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary, and then he was developed inside of Mary's uterus and then delivered like any other, any other baby would have been in that time. Um, it's all it's saying is that he was born of a woman, he was born under the law, 
That just means that he was born into a, 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 a mosaic uh, way of life. Um, they had rules and regulations that they had to follow and things that they would do. And so basically it's saying that at just the right time, God sent his son, born in a regular way under the law of Moses. And the reason why he was coming was to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. This is where this text gets really, really, really good. Um, you see, Jesus didn't just come to set us free from slavery. It's more than that. Uh, think with me for a second. If I was a slave, if I was owned by somebody and either my slave master set me free or somebody came along and paid the debt or bought me and then set me free, I would be in a far better position than I was. I'd have my debts paid, um, but I would have nothing still. I would have no social standing, uh, no status, no job, no ways to provide for myself. And I would have to start clawing my way up from, from ground zero there. But what this is saying is, is that Jesus did so much more than that. He didn't just come and set us free from sin and shame and social constructs and legalisms and politics and ideologies. He came to set us free from those things and then he made a way for us to be adopted into God's family. Um, this is unbelievable. The coming of Jesus made it possible for us to be adopted into God's family and, and it says that we're full heirs. Let's take a look at what that means. He says, because you are his sons. Now listen, don't miss this part. This is super, super important. Uh, God here is saying, um, because you are his sons. He's not saying um, if you feel like a son. Uh, he's not saying if you deserve to be a son. He's saying because you already are his son, it says that God sent, his spirit, or God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. This is the Holy Spirit of God that he sends to dwell within us. This is the same spirit that God uh, caused the prophets of old to, to declare his, his uh, promises and also to, to declare his warnings to the people. This is the same spirit that, that caused Mary to become pregnant in a completely incredible way. Um, this is the same spirit that enabled Jesus to live a perfect, sinless life. This is the same spirit that caused our Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane some of you remember this story. Um, you can read about it in Mark 14. Jesus has lived his perfect sinless life and he is at the lowest point in his life because he knows the cross is coming. And so he's kneeling in a garden with his friends who can't stay awake, they're exhausted. And Jesus needs support and he's left finally all alone. And he's waiting, uh, waiting for his betrayer waiting for uh, the arrest that's gonna come. He knows everything that's about to come and in that garden, he's kneeling and he's praying. And what he says, he cries out, Abba, Father. Abba just means dad. And so in this, Jesus cries out to, to his father. He says, dad, I trust you. Dad, whatever's about to happen, I, I trust you. When we call out to God as father, we are relating to Jesus that way. This is the same spirit that caused Jesus to do that. It's also the same spirit that helped Jesus rise from the grave after he was killed. It's the same spirit that enabled uh, the followers in, in Paul's day to identify with Jesus, our Lord and our big brother. And it's also the same spirit that helps us to do that today. It's incredible. God's not saying if you do X, Y, and Z, then I'll, I'll bring you into my family. God's saying, I love you. If you've put your faith and your hope and your trust in Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, then you already are in my family. He says, you are my son. This is the spirit of God that helps us to 
see who we are, to see who we belong to, to see what our identity is and how to live together as family. It's a spirit of, of sonship. Now, this is important um, to say this, and Jay talked about this last week. Um, when God says, you are my son, you are his sons, it's important that it says sons there. Um, and the reason why is because women in those days, they, they didn't have social standing. Um, they didn't have uh, the ability to vote, not the ability to inherit property. They couldn't buy and sell property. They had really, really very few uh, uh, rights back then. And so what Paul is saying here is that it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, you're a son in Christ. And that's the most incredible, incredible thing. He says you're a son. And the last verse, it sums it all up. He says, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has also made you um, an heir. This is our hope. This is our hope. So I wanna talk about um, four implications to sonship. But before I get to that, I wanna just, just, just have a warning for all of us. And the reason why I wanna issue us a warning is because I know my own heart, my own, my own tendencies. Paul makes it clear that everyone outside of a life with Christ is a slave to something. We're a slave to ways of life, to sin, to demonic influence, to social constructs. And so my warning is this, is that if you are in Christ, don't go back. Don't do it. It's a tendency of our heart to want to go back to those things. But, but, but Paul's reminding us, you're not a slave anymore. You're a son. If we went back, it would be kind of like my kids who are, are 18 and 20. It would be very, very, very weird if they came to me and said, Dad, I've thought about it. Uh, I decided instead of to, to continue my maturation and growth into adulthood, I want to go back and get in diapers and live as a toddler. It wouldn't make any sense, would it? Um, it wouldn't make any sense. And the same thing's true of us. It doesn't make any sense for us to want to go back to put on slave clothes and to be chained to those things because we've been set free. Not only set free, we've been adopted into God's family. And so, friends, don't go back. You are a child and heir of the King of Kings, creator of all, so why would you wanna go back to being a slave? Now, if you're not in Christ, maybe some of you who are listening have never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've never put your faith and your hope and your trust in him. And maybe you're thinking this morning, listen, there can never be a relationship with God because the fact is, I don't, I don't feel like I deserve it. Let me tell you a secret. I don't deserve it either. I don't deserve it either. And that's the most incredible thing about God is he is inviting you to join in this family. And so why would you stay a slave if you don't have to? Um, listen, if you don't know how to do that, if you're wondering about that, um, you can post a message right now. People are online right now ready to respond to you. If you'd rather have it be anonymous, then, then post a prayer request. We'll get back to you this week um, because it's so important that you understand that it's, it, it's really time to be set free from slavery, time to come into God's family. All right, four implications, four implications of, of sonship. The first one is this, is that we have access to God as the good and loving father. Whatever your experience with your own father was, God is supremely better um, the experience that I had with my fathers growing up um, was not good. My biological father was a drug addict. Um, we left him his home when I was about five or six years old, and uh, 
I've really only saw him a handful of times until he died a couple years ago. So he was an addict and he was absent. I wanted to know my father, but I didn't. The father that I grew up with uh, was not an addict. He was around, but he was abusive. Now, he wasn't always abusive, not 100% of the time. Sometimes he was funny. Sometimes he was cool to be around. But we just never knew when he was going to snap and when things would change. And so you walked around on eggshells a lot. And living with him was a lot more like living with a slave driver than with a loving father. Friends, I always wanted a father growing up. I wanted a dad. In Christ, I have found one. I have a dad because I am a son. That is the struggle today for me. I'm learning to, I'm trying to figure out what does that mean for my life then? And trying to learn to think of myself as a son and not a slave because that's the truth. And if you have put your faith in Christ and his death, burial, resurrection, then that's what he says about you too. He says, that's my son. The next implication of sonship then is that we have access to God as his spirit. He sends his spirit into us. This is the spirit that helps us to live a life that pleases God. He's our helper. He's our comforter. He's our healer. He's our friend and he's our advocate. It's that spirit that affirms and confirms in us that we belong to God's family. And that's the next implication to sonship is that we have access to an incredible family in God. Um, it's weird being here without you. It's really, really weird. The room is mostly empty. It's quiet. Um, I'm missing you this morning. Um, and one of the reasons why is because, because you're my family. Because when we join the family of God, we join millions of Christians all around the world as brothers and sisters and co-heirs. There's nowhere else on earth that you can find this kind of family, this kind of community. Um, I've seen it in all kinds of relationships. Um, my friend Billy Cash lives in Texas, and so I get to go down and visit him um, from time to time. And last spring, I went down to Texas to visit him. And last spring... Um, was the beginning of, of one of the worst years of my life because I was heading into um, a, significant of de- uh, a significant season rather of, of depression. Um, it was horrible. And so when I went down to visit Billy, my friend, I was hoping to just spend some time with him and his wife and his kids and just to get some refreshment and just some time away. And I remember when we went to church that Sunday, um, after church, I was standing around and I was talking to uh, some of the people that, that Billy serves with down there, Daniel Attaway, Chris Stewart, Tim Skaggs. And I, and I remember they were asking me, Sean, how are things going? Because I've met these guys a few times, but the fact is I, I don't know them very well. And so they asked me, they said, how, how are things been going for you? And honestly, I was, I was tempted to lie to them. But I thought, they're asking, I think they really care. I'm, I'm just gonna tell them the truth. And so I told them the truth. I said, things aren't going well at all. I'm struggling, I'm depressed, I'm anxious. I'm not sure what to do. And these men, man, they didn't say anything crazy or anything I'd never heard before. Really mostly what they did is they listened to me. They prayed for me. They committed to praying for me. And that's the most incredible thing is, is these men who I don't know very well, I've spent um, some number of hours with them over a few visits that I've been down there, but they're family to me because they're family of God in Christ. 
And that's one of the most incredible things to us. In Christ, we have this incredible family that we can run to for support and encouragement and care and help. It's a beautiful thing of sonship is we get a great family. Before we get to the last thing, I want to jump over to Romans 8 for a second. Romans 8, another book written by the Apostle Paul. In verse 14, he says this, uh, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are, are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Does this sound familiar? It, it should. It's just like Galatians. And look what he says in verse 17. He says, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And this is the last thing here, is that we have access to glory in the midst of suffering. Now this is challenging. Um, this, is, this is a challenging thing because as people, as humans, one of our, our, our main ways of survival is to avoid things that hurt. And so I think that that's our natural tendency is we want to avoid things that hurt. We want to avoid suffering at all if we can. But, but the fact is, is everybody suffers. We all go through things, disease, illness, injury, emotional or relational hurts. Um, the call is for us to suffer well. Life's uncertain right now. The coronavirus is going crazy and, and not just locally in our own community, all around the world. People are struggling. They're uncertain. They're worried about what's gonna happen tomorrow. And my friends, the fact is, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. Some people are going to suffer and some people are gonna suffer significantly. But I know that one of the ways that we can suffer well and suffer like Jesus is when we're in the midst of those things to call out to Jesus, or excuse me, to call out to the Father just like Jesus did. So we say, Dad, I need some help. Dad, I'm worried about what's going on. Dad, I'm worried about what's gonna happen to my family or to my community or to my world. And so when we do that, we are trusting God. We're trusting our Father. We're saying, Dad, I love you and I trust you. Whatever happens, I want to suffer well. The other way that we share in Christ's sufferings is when we share in the suffering of our brothers and sisters around the world. And sometimes I think uh, it's a hard challenge because sometimes I think when, when we get to, to hear about people's sufferings in our lives, even people that are close to us, I think sometimes we're not always sure what to say or, or what to do about it. Um, my encouragement would just to be present, be available. Um, the, my friends down in, in Brownwood, my brothers down there in Texas, they didn't say anything crazy. All they said was, man, I'm so sorry, we love you. Pray for those people that are around you that are hurting. Ask the Spirit of God to help. And then ask the people that are suffering around you, how can I help? Is there anything that I can do? Is there anything I can do to help with your suffering? I'm not exactly sure how this works, but Paul tells us that uh, in Romans there, he tells us that somehow, and when we share in God's suffering, in the sufferings of Christ, somehow we also share in his glory. I don't know exactly what that means, but I wanna share in the glory of Christ. I wanna share in the glory of Christ. I'll invite the worship team to come back up now. Um, we're gonna sing this song. It's a familiar song to, to lots of people. We've, we sing it a lot here at Grace. Um, but this song, is, it, it talks about being no longer a slave to fear because we're children of God. 
Um, worship is one way that we can call out to dad and say, dad, I love you. Dad, I need you. Dad, I want your presence in my life. And so wherever you're at right now, whether you are in your uh, family room, living room, kitchen, uh, maybe you ran to the bathroom, whatever you're doing, and use this time, spend time calling out to our dad, to Abba Father, and let the words of this song wash over you and remind you that if you're in Christ, you've been adopted and you are an heir with Christ. Let's worship him now. We just want to tell you that, that we're still here, still here, we're still available to you. Um, if you need help, if you need prayer, um, call the church office, email us, we will, we will be getting back to you. Um, I just want to close by, by telling you a story about a friend of mine um, that I know. She comes from a family that uh, has five children, bi- biological children, and then five adopted children. And this one day we were talking about uh, her family, and she was saying that, yeah, I remember the day that my brother came home. And I said, wait, what did you just say? And she says, I, I remember the day that my brother came home, um, her adopted brother. And I said, is that like common language in the adoption community that you talk about your, your adopted siblings as the day that they came home? She says, I don't know if it's common with them, but that's just what we've always said in my family, that, that the day that our, our brothers and sisters came to live with us, the day we adopted them, that's the day that they came home. And friends, that's what it's like for us in the family of God. If you've put your faith, your hope, your trust in Jesus, then that's the day you came home and you belong to a family and you have an incredible father who loves you. So remember that this week as we go, especially in these uncertain times. Let me pray God's blessing for you, and then we'll close. Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to be um, together, even through the, the virtual world. Thank you for that, Father. God, I pray for, um, for our church. God, I pray your spirit would be present. I pray, God, you would be a calming presence I pray you would bring healing and hope. Father, I pray um, truly that you would stop this virus that's going around. I pray, God, you would help bring wellness and restore wellness and stability to not only Gresham and Portland and the Northwest, but the entire world. Father, thank you that we can trust you, that we know you, and that in Christ, um, God, we are loved by you as sons and daughters of the King. We love you, Father. I thank you for that. In Jesus' beautiful name, Amen. I love you, Grace. I hope you have a great week. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.